Hey everyone, this is Victor from Cyborg for Life, and I want to welcome you to episode 40 of the Limiting Live, where the patients get to interview the guests. And today we have a nostalgic surgeon coming back to the show. We have Dr. Shahab Mabubian. Dr. M, how are you? Good. Nice to see you again, Victor, as always. Absolutely, absolutely. And I got to say a fun fact here for everybody who doesn't know. Dr. M was the first surgeon that I interviewed on my channel. And uh, it's big kudos to him because if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be able to leverage his interview to get other surgeons interviews. So you guys, are, you got to thank this man for saying, hey, what the heck? Let me just do it. I don't know this kid with 200 subscribers, but I'll do it anyway. And now we're well over 11,000. So thank you. Appreciate right. that. Nice. All right. So the way that the show works, and just I apologize in advance to um, people, we had to do this 30 minutes early, so you guys can kind of kick into the show, but you can watch it later. Um, the way that this works, we're going to do the submitted questions first from the patients, and then anybody in the chat, we're going to answer those uh, second. So, all right. Hey, we have Randy in the chat. Okay. So, Dr. M, the first question that I had that was submitted was about hyperextended knees. So the patient was asking, do you know if it would still be possible for someone to get limb lengthening done if they have hyperextension in their knees, if they're going for femurs of three inches, would they still fall in line with the safety uh, or would they be at more risk when they have this condition? So for those of you that know, don't know, hyperextension is when your knee, uh, let's say normally bends like this, but for if you get hyperextension, it bends back a little bit. Um, so some people have lax knees and, uh, you know, they, they have a tendency for their knees to bend backwards a little bit. Uh, it does put a, you know, it does put them at uh, increased risk of uh, different types of injuries, including ruptures of your ACL, hamstrings, uh, PCL. So uh, it, it's, it becomes a sensitive part of the, uh, of the body, uh, especially with sports. Uh, as far as whether or not it's safe to do a limb lengthening procedure, I have actually had uh, a couple of patients that had uh, hyperextension in their knees, but they weren't that bad. And in fact, after they get their lengthening, the hyperextension becomes less because, uh, again, you got to understand the hyper hyperextension is due to laxity. Mm -hmm. so when you lengthen, you know, you're lengthening and everything kind of gets tighter. So they actually improved their hyperextensive uh, extensibility. Wow. Uh, so yeah, it is it is still possible to do the surgery, but it really depends on the degree of laxity that you have. Right, and obviously that would be something you would check out in the initial consultation when they see you. Um, very cool. Right. All right, uh, the next question here is about surgery protocols. So this person was asking about x-rays. So they said, we don't talk too much about x-rays. I'd like to know how many x-rays are done from the beginning till the end of the entire limb lengthening process. We know that the x-rays increase the risk of cancer, DNA damage. Do you know if this subject has been covered and what do you think about it? Uh, it's a very good question. I've, I've, uh, I've never been asked that question before about you know, how much x-ray you get throughout the process. Uh, there is quite an um, uh, you know extensive amount of X-ray. However, you know uh, with the new technologies that are out there, with everything being digital, the amount of X-rays that we use is very minimal. Mm -hmm. uh, so you only need very few, you know small amounts of uh, X-ray uh, for us to be able to <clears throat> read the bone and uh, see how your bone is growing. Uh, but yeah, you need x-rays at the beginning. You need x-rays every two to three weeks while you're lengthening mm -hmm. uh, to make sure that the bone is coming in correctly and uh, not 
growing too much bone and not growing too little bone. Uh, and then, uh, you know, after you're done lengthening, you get x-rays maybe every three months mm -hmm. uh, until it's time to take out the uh, nails and then that's it. <laughs> uh, so the total amount of radiation, I really don't have an answer for that. Yeah. Uh, but again, it, it overall, it's still going to be fairly minimal because of the uh, new technologies uh, that we use with, uh, with digital x-rays. Right, right. Yep, it's, everything's advancing. All right, so the next question is about anesthesia. So this person was asking about the difference between general anesthesia and the spinal one. I guess that's the epidural. Can you confirm uh, that intubation is not used? So I guess they're just saying, um, do you offer this, the, the difference of, between the two to your patients, or which one do you prefer to use? <clears throat> Uh, I prefer to use general anesthesia. One of the problems with spinal anesthesia is that if there's something wrong after surgery, uh, we don't really know because you know everything below the waist is numb. Right. So that's a spinal <clears throat> that's a spinal anesthesia is when they uh, give you an epidural into into the back, kind of like uh, what they do for women when they give child uh, during childbirth. Uh, so basically, what it does is numb the you know the waist down into the legs. Okay. So, you know, one of the things that we always worry about after a uh, limb lengthening procedure is compartment syndrome. Mm -hmm. And if, uh, if the patient is bleeding too much into their, into their soft tissue, uh, that's compartment syndrome, they wouldn't know it. So yeah. that's why it's important to kind of just do under general anesthesia uh, so we could understand what's going on afterwards. We don't want to take that risk. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the next question is, about getting a surgery before limb lengthening. So the person was saying, I need a nose surgery due to a minor motor accident I had a few years ago. Visually, my nose looks fine, but there's some cartilage damage. I probably need a small graft. It's done under general anesthesia. Um, I plan to do it one year before limb lengthening. My question is, do you have information about how the body heals and competes for healing ability in other areas? So she's saying, I mean, when your body is still recovering at one place, is it better to wait till it's fully healed before having another surgery so that you don't take away from the healing ability of your bones for the leg lengthening? Uh, I wouldn't <laughs> worry so much, especially with, uh, you know, a small part of the body, which is the nose. You know, it, it doesn't take up all of your healing abilities. Uh, <laughs> think of it this way. If you cut your arm in multiple places, let's say, you know, you fall off your bike or something and you get bruised up and, you know, abrasions throughout your body, it's not like one part heals and then the next part heals. and then, So everything heals at the same time. So it really doesn't take away from your healing ability. And that's actually one of the reasons why we are able to do a staged procedure uh, for when we do uh, quad lengthening. So, you know, when we do the tibias and the femurs, uh, you know, we could lengthen all four segments at the same time yeah. without worrying that, you know, one segment is getting too much attention from, <laughs> from your body. Uh, gotcha. so, so I wouldn't worry about that. I, you know, I, as far as, uh, getting anesthesia, I would recommend, you know, waiting at least a month mm -hmm. prior to undergoing any other procedures from, from one surgery to another. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so the next question is about lengthening the devices. So this person was asking about, um, they're trying to decide whether or not to use an external fixator like the lengthening over nail method or the precise tooth for their tibia. Um, what are the pros and cons of each and what do you suggest? You know, the, with, the, with, the, with the invention of uh, the precise nail, which is all internal, uh, everything has become so much easier, less painful and more predictable. Uh, 
much better results and outcomes mm -hmm. uh, compared to the external frames that we used to use. Right. Uh, so we, you know, in, in my practice, we've done away with uh, external frames altogether uh, wow. because it's just be it's just so much easier uh, for the patient and such better results uh, to do everything internal. The uh, lengthening over a nail is kind of an older technique. Uh, some, think, some people think, oh, well, that might be the cheaper way to do it. And it may be cheaper if you do it in other countries, but in the US it's actually gonna cost you more because there's multiple surgeries you gotta do for that. You know, you gotta yeah. put the frame on, uh, lengthen it out, then you gotta take the frame off, put the screws in. It, it's just multiple surgeries, which, mm. which can cost even more money. Right. Uh, but in my practice, we just use the precise nail to do the lengthening, which I think everyone's been uh, pretty tolerable with it and uh, it's, it's it's had great outcomes. Yeah, and I think it keeps the rate of skin infection really, really low as well. Yeah, you know, definitely keeps it low. All right, um, this next question is still under the lengthening devices. He's saying, I'm now age, age 40. If I go with the precise two, how long can I stand and walk if I lengthen six centimeters? Is younger better for faster bone consolidation? So there's kind of two parts to that question. Younger is better for faster consolidation, but you don't need to necessarily worry so much about consolidation of your bones. Most the, the most common problem I have with my patients is that they grow too much bone. So <laughs> I actually always have to tell them, okay, well, we got to speed up. We got to speed up the process. We got to speed up the lengthening so you don't get premature consolidation. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's never been an issue. The problem is that the soft tissues can't handle Mm. A very fast lengthening. Uh, right. Everything becomes tight. Your joints become tight and painful. Uh, the muscles start spazzing up. Uh, so, you know, it's it's good when you're lengthening at about a millimeter a day. You don't need to lengthen any faster than that unless you have to. Gotcha. Um, yeah. Sorry, what was the other part of the question? Uh, the other part of question was um, basically if he gets the precise two nail, how long can he stand and walk? Right, so um, with a precise two nail, it's still a very strong nail. You know, it's made of titanium. Uh, it, it can support up to 75 pounds on each side. If you get the thicker one, maybe a little bit more, but we uh, recommend not more than 75 pounds on each side. Uh, mm -hmm. So you are able to walk right away, right after surgery. And in fact, we, we actually get our patients up and walking the same day as surgery just to help with circulation we don't uh we don't make them walk too far but you know at least get up stand up because it's really important for the circulation and to get that bone healing potential going uh but as long as you're using a walker and putting most of your weight on the walker there should be no reason why uh you, you shouldn't be able to walk now if you need to walk long distances i recommend you get a wheelchair because it can get a little bit tiring to walk very long distances using a walker. Yeah, for sure. That's a lot of upper body <laughs> work there. All right. Um, the next question is about physical therapy and then there's an assessment with an x-ray. So um, this person was asking, my question is if someone's considering cosmetic limb lengthening and really wants a place with physical therapy, um, does Dr. M have a physical therapy program uh, or any recommendations of physical therapists in the area where he where he's located that he can refer a patient to. Yeah, actually, I have a couple of uh, physical therapists that will come to your house or to your hotel, wherever mm -hmm. you're staying. Uh, uh, 
they're really great. Uh, once once you feel that you know you, you you're kind of more mobile and you want to stop having someone come to your house or, or to your place to do the physical therapy, then there's other locations near my office where I could send my patients to uh, that could do their physical therapy. Now a lot of patients, you know, they're out of town, so they want to come in, get their surgery, go home, which which I completely understand and I actually encourage it because when you're in a friendly and familiar uh, environment, you tend to do a lot better uh, with your recovery. Uh, but in my physical therapy instructions, I always write out exactly what needs to be done, what they need to work on, you know, the weight bearing status, all that stuff goes on to the prescription and all the physical therapists have to do is follow my instructions. And mm -hmm. it's fairly straightforward. You don't have to go to a specialized physical therapy uh, after this type of surgery. Okay, gotcha. All right. Um, there is a question with a patient who sent in an extra with markings of their their nail. I don't know. Do you want to do a live assessment of an X-ray from another clinic, or do you not want to do that on live air? <laughs> They're just trying to get like a a qualified surgeon. They don't feel like their surgeon did a good job, and they want to see. <laughs> it's up to you. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm a little worried about you know doing things I, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear you. Know, I will, okay, I'll ask you advice. Yeah. If they want my advice, I would uh, do it personally, not, okay. you know. Through email? Just email you? Sure, yeah. Okay, I'll tell them that. Uh, but they do have a question, and their question was, what's the reason for one leg healing slower than another, and what are some supposed treatment options thereafter? For example, this patient had um, poor regenerate on both the left and right legs, but then they got PRP injections to help heal, but it only healed on one side where it was injected. Um what type of treatment modalities would you imp implement to help the other side heal uh, for bone healing? I guess that's what they're asking. Uh, it's a good question. It's a, uh, actually a great question. Um, you know, the two sides, let's take femurs, for example. Mm -hmm. um, when you're lengthening <clears throat> the two femurs together, they never lengthen the same. Okay. Uh, there's always a little bit of discrepancy as far as how much this one grows versus the other one, how they fill in. Uh, I've had patients where one side is like making too much bone and the other side is making too little bone. Uh, and this is why we, we take x-rays regularly to adjust the lengthening rate. Mm -hmm. uh, now, with the particular bone, you know, you have the inside of the bone and you have the outside of the bone. We call them medial and lateral side. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, sometimes you get excess bone uh uh, formation on the lateral side and sometimes you get a more on the medial side so again it's never perfectly congruent where you get like you know equal growth on both sides it's just the way the body heals uh, <laughs> but if there is missing bone yeah you could do prp or stem cell injections but you got to just make sure that you inject it into the area that's missing bone gotcha that's that's okay. all i can say i mean you know if it still didn't grow on the in middle like the medial side that's the side that you got to inject. I see. Interesting. So it's a very local injection they should be doing. Okay. Yeah. And it does help. Cool. Stem cells, you know, they do help stimulate do. the bone growth. Gotcha. Have you uh, done that any, at all? Do you do that for some of your patients or not? I've, not uh, I've done it a few times. Not not any not anything recently. I think mm -hmm. uh, the way I've, I've changed around my techniques uh, to make everything very concentric and, you know, the... Uh, the cutting of the bone has to be very exact and mm -hmm. it's done very delicately. 
So, you know, I, I've changed my technique around throughout the years to make sure that everything's done the same and everything's done perfectly uh, so that we do get good quality bone growth. Right. Um, again, as I said, you know, m most of my patients, the biggest problem they have is that they make too much bone. <laughs> we have to speed up the lengthening process so that they don't get premature consolidation. That makes sense. Absolutely. Um, I actually had a question about something myself. Um, my, you know, I, I'm a bodybuilder. I train heavy. Uh, and I had a discrepancy for a long time. I think one of my meniscus on my left side is getting a little bit of wear and tear. So I think I may need a, a meniscectomy. How long does it take to recover after a meniscectomy? And maybe like partial debridement of the articular surface of the knee joint. Like, what do you see in some of your patients with that type of thing? Couple you know, I've done, I've done thousands of, uh, uh, meniscal surgeries. Uh, okay. Uh, the ones that I've had to repair, those take a little bit longer time because it's a repair. But okay. most of the meniscal surgeries are what you what you said is a meniscectomy, which means that we we shave away the part that's torn. Mm -hmm. uh, and usually these are small tears, uh, and we just you know smooth out the tear so that it doesn't catch and it doesn't cause pain. Right. Uh, it doesn't usually it doesn't cause too much problems in the long term, unless you take away too much of the meniscus. Mm. Uh, but because it's a fairly simple procedure uh, and it has a quick recovery because it's done arthroscopically, uh, you know, usually you're back to running or maybe even jogging within six to eight weeks. Okay. And usually back to, you know, full exercises within three months. Nice. Okay. That's, that's optimism. <laughs> I'll take that. Thanks so much, Dr. M. Okay. Um, so now we're going to the live chat because there's some people asking questions there. I don't suspect it'd be taking too long, but let's go ahead right to number one here. And you'll actually see the question on the screen because they're live. So Dr. One is asking, I did femurs about two years ago, still having residual pain at the quadriceps tendon superior aspect of the patella. Did I not stretch enough? Also, how many tib tibia fibula cases uh, did, do you do versus femur cases, femoral cases? Uh, so yeah, you know, as you stretch your femurs, um, all the tendons get stretched out also. So it's not uncommon uh, to have pain uh, at the top of your patella because that's where your quad tendon attaches to. Uh, mm -hmm. And there's a tendon that attaches from the muscle to the bone. Uh, so that could get inflamed and it could stay inflamed for a very long time. Uh, there are different things that you could do, such as stretching. Uh, you could do cortisone injections. You could also do PRP injections. Uh, all these things do help reduce the inflammation that's still residual there. Uh, you know, tendonitis is very difficult to treat, uh, especially as you get older. You know, your, your body doesn't recover as quickly. Um, so you need these different types of modalities, cortisone injections, PRP injections, um, some people uh, even use CBD creams because that's also an anti-inflammatory. Uh, and all these, you know, in combination do help. But it takes time. You have to really rest the muscle uh, and the tendon in order to, you know, let, let the body heal this tendonitis. Gotcha. I've dealt with tendonitis before as well. It takes forever for <laughs> yeah. it to go away. I've had it too. Yeah, it does. You got to just... Let it rest. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, as far as uh, how many tip fib cases I do versus femurs, uh, I I most commonly do femurs uh, because I think femurs are a lot easier to handle for patients. Mm -hmm. uh, they're less you know less complication, faster recovery. Uh, it's cheaper, and uh, you know it's not as much pain. And you're also able to 
usually gain the full eight centimeters mm. uh, versus tibias. Tibias, it's, it's a much more refined technique, lengthening. Uh, <laughs> you know, you got to put everything perfectly. Otherwise, you could get deformities as you lengthen. You, you get uh, different kinds of complications. So uh, I think I try to encourage my patients, if they're going to do one, one versus the other, I try to encourage them to just do the femurs. Do the femurs, yeah. That's what everybody kind of leans towards is femurs. Um, okay, next question here from Benjamin Minoza. He's asking, is it possible to do four centimeters on both the femur and the tibia in the first set, then come back and do another four centimeters in the femur and tibia on the second set, second time around? <clears throat> Uh, that is possible. Um, I don't know why you would want to do that. Uh, I think if uh, I, I think if you're going to do so, so basically they, they want to maximize the, the amount of lengthening. I know some doctors, uh, if you're going to do a stage procedure where you're doing tibias and femurs together, that you don't lengthen more than five centimeters on either side, because uh, you know the, the the soft tissues can only take so much. Um, but if you're really looking to maximize your height with two separate surgeries, femurs and tibias, uh, I would recommend doing one, either the femur or the tibias, do, do one or the other segment, mm -hmm. lengthen it out as much as your body can tolerate, okay. and then give yourself a good year to fully recover from that surgery before doing, doing it again. Mm. So rather than doing both at the same time twice i mean that's just a lot of surgery yeah. uh and it's unnecessary right. uh, so so if you really want to maximize everything i would do one segment at a time mm -hmm. lengthen it out as as much as your body can handle and then work on the recovery before doing the other one that's uh, yeah very cool with uh with that said uh again i i would i would still recommend doing the femurs first and then tibias later because okay. tibias are more difficult to recover from but once you've done the femurs it's like you become an expert so <laughs> yeah there's been some patients you know everything about the walker and how yeah. to move around yeah it makes a huge difference yeah <laughs> yeah for sure all right uh next question here from reaper one two three one hundred what do you believe is the next biggest limiting limiting factor in limb lengthening and what do you predict the procedure to look like over the next 10 years what is the next great step or technology and limb lengthening. <clears throat> uh, it's a good. It's a good question. You know, when I was in residency, and I was learning about this this uh, uh, whole limb lengthening procedure and what it entails, I thought to myself, instead of using these crazy frames or these old internal nails that you have to click, you know, to make it longer, and I was like, I was like, I, in, in my opinion, the best way to do this is through a magnet. Yeah. And sure enough, uh, like a couple of years, you know, into my practice, they come out with a precise nail, which is magnetic. Wow. I don't see this technique getting any easier or improving any more other than uh, making the weight bearing nails. Mm -hmm. That's probably the next step, um, which I know precise is, uh, or sorry, Nuvasive is working on. Okay. Um, and hopefully they come out with the, uh, with the new weight bearing nail sometime in 2023. And it's not going to be called stride. It's going to be called something else. We don't know yet. Okay. Uh, but they are working on it. Uh, we don't know if, if it's going to come out in 2023 or 2024, but, you know, they're working on it. But that's, that's going to be the next step. 
Nice. Okay. So back to the weight bearing nails. And I heard a little rumor about that as well. And that's all I know is that they're working on it. So we'll have to wait and see. <laughs> the mystery continues. <laughs> all right. Next question here uh, from Jay New. He's asking, Dr. M, is removing the precise nail after lengthening for a weight bearing trauma nail worth the additional surgery? <clears throat> is removing the precise nail after lengthening for a weight bearing trauma nail? So swapping it, there's a, there's a surgeon that does this, um, they call it the accelerated weight bearing program to kind of help patients who want to get back to a walking, you know, gait sooner. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, no, I would, I would, <laughs> I would hundred percent disagree with that. Again, okay. the less surgeries, the better in my opinion. Um, and it's really not necessary. I mean, if you wait an additional month, uh, your bones should, or maybe two months, your bones should be strong enough to be able to handle your full weight. Mm -hmm. uh, once you're done lengthening, uh, whether it's whether it's uh, four centimeters or eight centimeters, it usually takes anywhere from a month to two months for your regenerate bone to grow back together and be strong enough to be able to support your weight. So mm -hmm. I don't think it's worth the additional costs, uh, risk of surgery, risk of infections to undergo an additional unnecessary surgery, in my opinion. Okay. That's his, his, his opinion. We got it, guys. All right. So the next question is from Devin May. How does Dr. Mabubian feel about patients who would already be considered tall getting this procedure done to be even taller? Like someone who's six foot trying to get to six five. Do you have a height limit? <laughs> uh, I don't have a height limit, but again, I, I do talk to my patients. Uh, and I always ask my patients, why do you want to do this surgery? You know, this is not a simple surgery to go through. Mm -hmm. It's painful. It's expensive. There's risks. Uh, uh, there's risk of, uh, you know, complications. So <clears throat> I always make sure my patients are doing it for the right reasons. Mm -hmm. uh, now, let's compare someone that's five foot three uh, and they gain three inches and they become five six mm -hmm. versus someone who is six feet tall and they become six foot three. Mm -hmm. The percentage of difference from five three to five six versus six foot to six three is a huge difference. Yeah. So the person that's going from five three to five six has a huge increase in the percentage of their height yeah. versus someone that's doing it from six feet to six foot three. Right. The people that are already tall, I don't think they gained the uh advantage or the satisfaction <laughs> that someone much shorter than them would by gaining the three inches. Right. So yes, I get uh, plenty of patients that, well, not only do they email me, but they also <laughs> come into my office and con consult with me who are six feet and above. And I wow. try to discourage them from undergoing the surgery because I honestly don't think that they're going to gain that much advantage, uh, from the percentage of the height increase that they get. Gotcha. That makes sense. Yeah. It was designed for people for short stature. That's kind of what it was for. Um, his follow-up question is, what is the tallest height someone has achieved when lengthening by Dr. Mabuvian? <laughs> Six inches. Six inches. <laughs> Six inches. And that was somebody that, again, did their, that person did their tibias first, um, lengthened it out eight centimeters. It took them a long time to mm -hmm. be able to, uh, walk normally but once he was able to walk normal he decided to do his femurs afterwards and he gained another uh, eight centimeters for, for that so he gained a total of 16 
16 centimeters, which was uh, six inches in total. Amazing. And yeah. that and that guy went from five foot two or five foot three mm -hmm. to five foot eight. Nine. Uh, yeah. Five, five foot eight, nine. nine. Yeah, yeah. Like, That's incredible. And that, and that that was like a you know, but but it's rare to be able to you know gain the full length from each segment because you have to understand you're you're not just lengthening the bone you're lengthening yeah. all the soft tissues around the bone as well right for sure is he doing okay now he's doing great he's, <laughs> he's running and playing sports incredible, um, incredible. and uh yeah he's but he's a changed man like is he yeah for the I mean, uh, six inches is incredible i mean that's a lot I of mean, he's, yeah he's, and, and you know he's I, I it's just one that i'm thinking of but i've had I've had a few of them that have, you know, been able to gain the full 16 centimeters, but it's yeah. not easy. It's not easy, but it does change their lives incredibly. But even right. three inches can make a huge difference of course. for someone that's really short. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, all right. The next question here is from Janu. He is asking, um, <clears throat> actually, let me just see where Andy is. Okay. Let's see. Here it is right here. Uh, question, Dr. M, thoughts on a ratchet nail that's used in Europe and the fit bone. Uh, why aren't these as established as the precise nail? He's shaking his head. Yeah, so, you know, the the ratchet nails, um, first of all, they're, you know, a lot of times they're very unpredictable mm. because uh, as you twist and turn and walk, you know, the thing can start lengthening on its own. Mm -hmm. uh, plus, you know, you have the regenerate bone, the new bone that's forming as you, as you lengthen. Yeah. So, you know, you don't want to take that and twist it around and break it. You know, you don't get, I don't think you get as, as good of a quality of bone okay. when you're using these, uh, ratchet nails. Interesting. Uh, so, you know, that's why, uh, and, and there's a reason why they've never been FDA approved in the U S so yeah. that, that, that says a lot in itself. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and then he follows up with the Fitbone from uh, another company, uh, Orthofix. There, it's an electric motor type nail that distracts that way. Have you? Yeah, that thing. I've seen it. It's so. It looks really uncomfortable. I've never put one in. <laughs> but I mean, the thing is, like, you know, I've read about it and uh, I've seen the techniques, and it's like sitting right underneath your skin. But uh, you have to keep pushing that area, and yeah. I mean. Yeah, I, I think it would just irritate that part and it just looks very uncomfortable. And I think there's a limit uh, with the fit bone. Like, mm -hmm. I don't think you could gain eight centimeters. I think, I think maybe five or six yeah, centimeters. Yeah, five, six centimeters. I, I don't yeah. quite remember. Okay. So gotcha. that's, that, that, that's the fit bone. I know, uh, I know it's a good nail for correcting deformities, but I don't think it's as good for cosmetic lengthening. Gotcha. Okay. All right, so let's see if there's any other questions in here. I know there we're getting people pummeling in now because this is when we were going to do it. Uh, we have a lot of people watching now. Do you guys have any other questions for the great Dr. Mabubian? Um, by the way, if you want to reach out to him, you can see in the ticker below, we have his email, info at heightlinkvinny.com, his website, heightlinkvinny.com, and you can find all his contact information below in the show notes. Let me just check if any other questions in here. Most of our patients, by the way, big shout out to Amanda. I see you helping out in the chat. <laughs> um, hey, Amanda. Yes, here we go. Actually, I think one just popped in. All right, let's see here. Oh, Amanda's answering all the questions. That's why <laughs> she's doing my job for me, for your job for you, for us. Well, um, what's new, Dr. Amber? Is any other new developments over at Height Lengthening um, that you want to kind of talk about? This is your chance to talk to all your fans out there. 
Well, we've kind of been blowing up on social media, yeah. um, TikTok, <laughs> Instagram. Um, we've done, I, I mean, I've done a bunch of interviews now. I mm -hmm. just uh, did another radio interview in New Zealand. Um, really? We were recently on Telemundo, which was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Even though I don't speak Spanish, but uh, <laughs> I've had patients that speak Spanish and they interviewed one of my uh, Spanish speaking patients. Uh, yeah, so it's uh, it's been interesting. Uh, you know, we've done a few articles that uh, that went viral, so it it's been fun. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I yeah. never I never expected you know uh, fame from going into this uh, <laughs> into this well, kind of kind of work, but yeah, for but, sure. You know, and, there's and... a lot of fans, I guess, and uh, you know, people that really uh, really like learning about it and reading about it. So it's cool. Absolutely. Your popularity is through the roof. Um, and talk about your new office. I know you guys relocated recently in the last year. Um, and, you know, I'd love to have, you know, one time we'll get you on when you can actually walk through and show it off. It looked amazing in some of the pictures I've seen. But talk about that a little bit. What's different? Yeah, so it's a very brand new office. Uh, we have a state-of-the-art x-ray machine uh, that we could, you know, do the full-length x-rays, you know, mm -hmm. in case there's a leg-length discrepancy. Um, we have great staff. Uh, and we're right across the hospital where mm -hmm. I perform my surgeries. Nice. Um, plus, we're we're in a medical building, so you know there's so it, it makes it easier for my patients who have to see their other primary doctors. They're like all in the same building, so <laughs> so it's pretty cool. If uh, if you ever want to come by, I'd be happy to show you around. It's uh, it's, it's a very nice office. This is, this is my new office background, so it looks so cool. Yeah, clean and chic and I have windows that I could look outside and look at look at my uh, hospital right across the street, which is pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah, if I'm ever in the uh, LA area, I'm gonna definitely visit. Uh, we have now a few questions just popped in, so we'll ask a couple more. Um, how much more time do you have? Maybe ten minutes. You good with that? Yes. yes. Okay. Cool. Let's run with that. All right. So next question is um, from uh, Archangel Uriel. He's asking, Doctor M, what's one of the very bad outcomes you have seen? For example, non-union, fat embolism, etc. So um, well, I've seen I've seen a few uh, bad outcomes uh, throughout my career, but you know the key is knowing how to take care of uh, out, you know these these bad outcomes or complications. Um, I've seen compartment syndrome where you know you bleed into the leg and uh, the the uh, the compartment in the leg becomes so tight that it actually cuts off the circulation of your blood. Mm -hmm. uh, then it becomes an emergency situation. This is one of the reasons why I keep my patients at the hospital so I could check on them right away. And, you know, then there's an emergency surgery that we have to perform on those types of patients, mm -hmm. uh, which I've had to do. Uh, and, you know, these are things that no matter how much you control for things that can happen, complications will happen. Yeah. Uh, but you have to be prepared to be able to take care of them. So I think Ooh. that's been that's been one of my uh, bad complications. I had another patient uh, that just could not grow bone <laughs> no matter what i did and and the funny thing is it was one side grew great the other side hardly anything <laughs> so that one took a long time uh, and took a few surgeries to finally get him out to length and equal to the other side uh so you know again you have to know how to treat them yeah. uh Complications of others that I've seen, you know, I've seen uh, some pretty bad complications from people that have gone outside of outside of the country. Mm -hmm. um, I had one guy who came in with uh, 
these external frames. Uh, this was a couple of years ago. He had these external frames, and as they lengthened his legs, the 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 frame started bending and warping. No, so own instead of growing nice and straight, it grew like in a oh, no U shape like this. So he was wheelchair bound. He couldn't move. Luckily, like his bone hadn't cons consolidated yet. Okay. So I was, I was able to actually remove the uh, uh, the external frame and put on a nice sturdy frame to help oh. correct the deformity. Gotcha. Uh, that was very satisfying. Got him up and walking, and he was he was very happy. That's um, amazing. That was, yeah. That was, that was a. It ended up being a great outcome. Absolutely. But, sorry, I, I I go on a tangent when we talk about complications. But it wasn't my complication, it was somebody else's complication. That, that's exactly what people want to hear, because if, if you see what Dr. One's saying here, he said, you got a crowd now, let Dr. M tell us some notable stories. So you just did. <laughs> um, okay, so we have a few more questions here. Let's run it for five more minutes. So um, JC's asking, do you do limb lengthening for people with type 2 diabetes and gout? <clears throat> uh, yeah, as long as it's well-controlled. Um, I've had plenty of patients that I've done surgery on that, uh, that have had diabetes. Um, Gout, yeah, I've had patients with gout also. Mm -hmm. uh, gout is a little bit more tricky than diabetes. Diabetes, it's easy because, you know, there's there's diabetic uh, medications that you can take, insulin, diet control. Uh, so as long as they're, they, they, fairly, they, they keep their blood glucose levels fairly normal, they mm -hmm. tend to do very well. Uh, gout, however, is a little bit more tricky because the the uh, medications to control gout are kind of like anti-inflammatories mm -hmm. because gout is an inflammatory type of process. And when you're lengthening, you cannot take anti-inflammatory medications because it prevents the bone from healing. Mm -hmm. So I now with that said, I have done surgeries on, on patients with gout as long as their gout was well controlled. Gotcha. And if they did have a flare-up, I told them, you cannot take your pain medication or your gout medication. You got to just, I sit down, stretch, not move as much. Uh, so we did it conservatively. Amazing. Yeah, and that goes with an experienced surgeon. Um, now they're piling in the questions. All right, we're going to try to get through these guys. <laughs> Should have showed up earlier. I'm just kidding now. <laughs> they are piling in. Okay, so this person is asking about, do you guys offer housing? If so, do you need to pay monthly? Or do you have like just local accommodations? How does it work? <clears throat> yeah, we provide lo uh, like suggestions and recommendations of local places. Mm -hmm. Everybody has very, very specific uh, recommend, uh, uh, sorry, specific wants of uh, where they want to live, how much they want to spend. So mm -hmm. it's difficult to try and accommodate everybody's needs. So I just say, listen, in LA and you know where my practice is, there's plenty of uh, hotels in our area. There's Airbnbs, mm -hmm. um, so I, 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 we make our recommendations, but I think ultimately, um, as long as they find a place that has wheelchair access, that's mm -hmm. all they need. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Uh, next question here, Dr. M, I read a mixed opinions about reaching eight centimeters. Is it best to stay around five centimeters? I guess for the femur, that's what he's probably asking. Uh, well, it depends really what your goals are um, mm -hmm. and also what your flexibility is. <laughs> this is one thing I always tell my patients, work on your flexibility before your surgery. Yeah. It is the key component to being able to lengthen as much as, uh, as, much as possible. Mm -hmm. The more flexibility you have, the longer you'll be able to lengthen. 
So I don't think you you necessarily need to put a stop point at a uh, specific number. It's mm -hmm. really what your goals are and how much you want to lengthen. Gotcha. Awesome. All right. Next question here. We'll go for a couple more minutes. Uh, regarding humerus lengthening, does it heal faster than in our legs? Also, how much lengthening would you advise for these bones? I guess the arms. He's talking about arm lengthening. Right. So the, the, the humerus, which you know is your arm bone up here, um, is very similar to your femur. Mm. Um, it's one bone. It's very vascularized. So it does grow good bone. Mm. Uh, you just have to lengthen it uh, at the appropriate rate. Um, but you know, it, it heals about the same as, as your, as your legs. And, you know, we usually go by anywhere from 0.75 millimeters to a millimeter a day, uh, of lengthening. Yeah. Um, as far as how much I would recommend, I usually for the arms, I would not recommend anywhere more than five centimeters. That's like, that's like the max. Now I know a lot of people think, oh, you know, I've lengthened my legs so much. I need to, I need to be proportional and lengthen mm -hmm. my arms. Um, I, I really disagree with that. I don't think you necessarily need to lengthen your arms because you're not changing the length of your torso right. as you as you do the limb lengthening procedure. You're, you're lengthening your legs. Your legs look, look longer, but it's not going to make your arms look any shorter. Right. Because again, you, when you stand up, your arms are at your side of your hips Absolutely. or your thigh. You know, mm -hmm. that length does not change because you're not changing your torso. Absolutely. Um, I think people look more disproportionate when they lengthen their arms for cosmetic purposes. So yeah, I, I don't think it's necessary. If you feel that you have to do it, no problem. You know, it, uh, but I, I really don't think it's necessary. I'm with you with that. That's I get a lot of requests to make videos about arm lengthening. And I'm like, ah, this is a leg lengthening channel. I don't think there's real. It's really that necessary. So, <laughs> all right. Good question though. Another little joke about Dr. One saying, not enough degrees behind your wall, Dr. M. <laughs> That's funny. All right, so Thomas Powell saying- You haven't Dr. seen the rest. You, know, you, you guys can't <laughs> see the other ones. <laughs> They're on the front side. He's going to flip the camera. Um, Thomas Powell is asking, Dr. M, I'm wondering if I should stop building muscle in my legs in preparation for the surgery, as I've heard it makes you less flexible. <clears throat> uh, this is true. Uh, if you have bulky muscles, such as uh, someone who's a, do I point this way to you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, someone who's a bodybuilder, yes, it makes it makes the lengthening process a lot more difficult. <laughs> I'm showing off your guns. <laughs> so, so I wouldn't recommend building more muscle. Um, if anything, I, I try to tell my patients to try to thin out a little bit, uh, but more like, you know, trying to lose fat uh, yeah. than the muscle because you will lose muscle regardless uh, after you undergo the lengthening process, because you're not putting your full weight on your legs, you're not able to exercise as much, so you will lose muscle. But again, you don't need to bulk up for it either, um, because again, if the, the more muscle mass you have, you have to stretch out all those muscle fibers. So mm -hmm. it makes the whole process a lot more difficult. So, so again, try to focus just more on being limber and flexible. Gotcha. Okay. All right, guys, we're going to take three more questions and we're going to let Dr. M go because uh, it's been, yeah, let's see here. So uh, next question from Janu. Let me find that. Here we go. <clears throat> He's asking, are there any tests to determine if a patient will have sufficient bone growth prior to the surgery? Um, you know, there's a bone density test that you could do, but 
it really doesn't determine how much bone you're going to grow. So, so the answer to that question is, is really, we don't know, Uh, you know, Mm. there, there, we don't have an actual test to see how much bone you're going to grow. But as long as you, you are healthy, you have a proper diet, you take your supplements during the lengthening process and you're walking around and, you know, stimulating the bone to grow, there should be Mm. no reason why your bone won't grow. Uh, it's just like, you know, oh, if I break a bone, how, how am I going to know if it's going to heal? Because it's the, he- it's the same healing process that we're using to lengthen out the bone. Because as the bone tries to heal, we're separating the, the ends of the bone. So mm-hmm. new bone keeps forming. Um, so, yeah, so unless you're, uh, you know, you have osteoporosis, which is usually what we see in much older women who are postmenopausal, mm-hmm. uh, then... You know, and, and all we would need is a, a bone density test. But again, I, I wouldn't recommend it for uh, someone that has osteoporosis. So that would be the only thing. Otherwise, you're, there should be no reason why you don't develop good bone. Oh, uh, maybe that's maybe the reason why he's asking that question is because of that one complication I had. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> of, of one patient. But again, that that guy, he he grew great on one side, and then mm. you know, not so great on the other side. Now, this was before also when I had changed around my techniques of how to cut the bone. Because, again, you got, you got to make sure you cut the bone with the least amount of trauma. In the past, I used to use a, a saw. It's called a jiggly saw. Jiggly saw, yeah. Where we, uh, where we wrap the bone with a uh, uh, go around the bone with a thin wire. Mm-hmm. And we, we go back and forth with that wire and that wire cuts through the bone. The problem with that jiggly saw is that cut it, it, it doesn't just cut the bone. It also cuts the uh, circulation around the bone, uh, which is really, really important for bone growth. So mm-hmm. I think that was one of the reasons why he didn't make very good bone. But again, with the new techniques that I use, I've had no issues of growing new bone. Awesome. That is reassuring to hear. All right. Uh, last two questions here. Uh, this one right here. JC's asking, have any of your patients had side effects or ha- have had a side effect of a total knee replacement due to a skewed femur or tibia ratio? Uh, not that I've seen. Um, I understand, uh, you know, people talk about, uh, you know, when you're changing your proportions, it can, uh, it can throw off the uh, degrees of your legs, but it's uh, fairly minimal. Uh, also, it can make your joints kind of tight. Uh, we still have yet to see studies to see if that really happens. So far, you know, the studies that are out there, we haven't seen an increased amount of osteoarthritis in the knees or in the hips after undergoing le- uh, limb lengthening procedures. Um, and part of the reason is that once you regain your flexibility with proper therapy and you regain your motion, the pressures inside the knee really drop. It mm-hmm. just makes sense, right? Because you you, you don't have the tight muscles anymore and the tight ligaments. So, you know, I think that uh, tightness in the knees or in the hips or even in the ankles are temporary. And as you recover and as you become more active and more flexible, uh, those risks kind of tend to vanish. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So it's something temporary. Okay, guys. Last question here from Archangel Uriel. He's asking, Questions to close the live. Yes, this is the last question. Is Dr. M happy with making patients happy, reaching their goals, and what keeps them going in their field? What keeps you going, Dr. M? 
you know, I tell you, the, every single one of my patients that I've done the, the high lengthening procedure on, it's really impacted their life. Wow. Uh, so when they're done with their lengthening and, you know, we sit down and we chat. So how's how's life? How how things changed and everything and, you know, everything that they talk about is it's, is that it's been positive. Mm. So it's really reassuring to me to see that to see people's uh, lives change for the better, uh, you know, and, and that's what really keeps me going and, and uh, makes me really happy to see my patients doing well. Uh, you know, I, I've had plenty of stories where, you know, guys who are who are shorter than average and after going through the procedure, they say, you know, now people actually pay attention to me. They don't mm. treat me like a child. They don't make fun of me anymore. And they just have so much more confidence. So it's really amazing to see that transformation. Man, that is super, super inspirational just to hear that a surgeon that loves his passion, his craft, and is amazingly, you know, talented at it. I mean, this guy is one of the most experienced surgeons in the world. So if you guys want to reach out to the great Dr. M, you can find all his contact information below heightlengthening.com or info at heightlengthening.com to email him or Amanda. And uh, yeah, if you guys want to reach out to him, you can do that there. And uh, Dr. M, I want to thank you for coming on to do this live Q&A. We're definitely going to have you back. You always have a home here on Cyborg for Life. So you let me know when you want to come back. And uh, yeah, that's all I have to say. So guys, Thanks, I appreciate thank everybody you. coming on. And until next time, this is Victor from Cyborg for Life and the great Dr. Mabuvian signing out. See you guys next time. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you.